Hello, and welcome to the What the What podcast. It's the podcast where we tell you what's nerdy, what's popping with culture, what's giving us all the nostalgic feels, and what's there to geek out about, past, present, and future. It's all the what's in one place. I'm Ashby Brain. We have Kyle Whitley, and that's Eric Creech. Basically, he's fast, she's weird. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean... I would love to be fast. Absolutely. Or did you say he's fat, she's weird? Because that's true. <laughs> that can be very true. You know, I might have thought about it, but I'm not insulting like that. I wouldn't. I don't know. You almost, before you pressed that play button, you were threatening to break your iPad. Okay, first of all, face. threatening you isn't insulting. I don't know. Also, it doesn't really work the other way because if you say she's fast, he's weird, then you're insulting me. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. If the shoe fits. No, 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 I'm sorry. No, 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 I wouldn't do that. No. It's not, mean, it's not in my character. Sounds like your iPad's going to get broke one way or the other. Honestly. It's already broke. Do you it, not see it this? It may not be in your hands. <laughs> oh, so um, in superhero news, mm-hmm. we were talking about it before we went on the air. Mm-hmm. Before we get to our superhero film tonight, Wonder Woman 1984, which we were going to go watch in June. Yep. And then we were going to watch earlier this month. Yep. And now it's been pushed back to Christmas Day. Yep. It's releasing in theaters on Christmas Day. As well as on HBO Max for the for a, a month. It's going to be free streaming on HBO Max for a month. Yep. How exciting is that? I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I'm trying to decide because there's. I'm excited regardless. But it is tempting because, you know, we did talk about there's the possibility of you can rent a movie theater out around here for around $100 or $150. I'm going to look it up now. That's right. And just thinking if we had a what the what night at the movie theater. Yeah. See Wonder Woman. And see Wonder Woman. Everyone have to wear masks. Yeah. Social, Social distancing. I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm just so ready to finally see it. I, mm-hmm. It's like I almost don't care. Like if I have to watch it on my TV at home, which is still good quality. Yeah, like I would. Then be I will. It. There's part of me already that wants to get HBO Max just because of a lot of stuff that DC right. they're going to be doing on there. But the snob part of me is like, how could I not experience that in theaters? Like, how could I not mm-hmm. see Chris Pine's face taller than I am tall? You know what I'm saying? Like, I get that. And then there's the part of me too that's like. You know, we haven't been to the movie theaters in months. Right. Because of all this. So this could be the first time we're back in a theater. Right. Unless we go and see something else now. Right. But to go all out, a movie we've been waiting to see. Right. And rent a whole theater for. Yep. So here's what it says. Personal theater, $150. Okay. Safest way to see a movie, rent your own theater. Do it with your friends and family. $150 gets you a theater to yourself. You and your friends buy your own tickets, food and drinks. Self-service, choose from a dozen of big screen favorites. Everything you love about the Alamo experience, but in a private theater all to yourself. You and your guests buy your own ticket, food and drinks. Okay. I wonder if they would limit what you get to see, though. I don't know if, yeah, that's the like thing. So, only, let me, like, let me see what, they have, what they're offering now. Like so, selected movie. Or they're like, no, sorry, we got to make our money. Right. We can't give you an entire theater. It doesn't look like, well, there's no real new movies out. No. But right. right now, you could see. 2001 A Space Odyssey, Batman 1989, Batch the Future, Clue, Clueless, Despicable Me, and Despicable Me 3, but not Despicable Me 2. E.T. Grease, um, Jurassic Park, Knives Out, uh, Kung Fu Panda, Love Actually, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Psycho, Shrek, uh, 16 Candles, Big Lebowski, The Goonies, The House of the Clock and the Swall. The Christmas movie I haven't seen, Love Actually. The, uh, the Iron yeah. Giant, the Lego Batman movie, which I love, um, the Santa Claus, 
The Polar Express. Oh, the Santa Claus. Uh, Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 and Part 2. I'm going to get a Pretty much all the Twilight. <laughs> yeah, we got to redo those. Uh, we got to do like some retro episodes and get Ashby in on some mm-hmm. of these because, I mean, I just love those movies. I think mm-hmm. they're fantastic. Well, I think you could talk yeah. about them multiple times a year. Like, mm-hmm. Not a year, but like multiple times across the podcast. Like I was telling Ashby before you got here, the Rewatchables, their last two episodes were... Home Alone, which came out a couple of days ago, and then last week was Toy Story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're literally copying the What What Playbook from 2019. Mm-hmm. We started with Toy Story. I mean, we did the Santa Claus in November. Who can blame or, them? Or Home Alone. It was Home Alone, not mm-hmm. Santa Claus. Home Alone and Toy Story. Oh, we did Home Alone. Was. I mean, they're both rewatchable movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Elves Question with attitude. Yes. <laughs> the, the Alamo, like the movies you're listing, is that like part of the movie rental? Yes. Like, those, those, which movie you want to watch? Do what? So like, it's not like a specific time. They're just like, you're renting it out. Which movie do you want to yeah, watch? Yeah, it's literally to ask what theater, what movie, what, and how big is your party size. So to, to be 15, fair, like, I, there's up a to lot 15 of, or up to 30. There's a lot of movies in that list I would actually really like to see on the big screen because yeah. I did not as mm-hmm. a child. So, like Batman 89, Back to the Future, Grease. And honestly, there's like tons of them. Yeah. But just the fact of being able to see it on the big screen. So, as it gets closer, I'll keep an eye on this. Okay. I might even call up and say, hey, would y'all do a private theater for Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Woman? Woman? Yeah, like, what's the situation? And if they say yes, maybe we can arrange something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes out Christmas Day now. Obviously, Christmas Day probably wouldn't be the best day for it. Right. Not that I care. I mean, I'll do it on Christmas Day. You will but, care, because um, your house is going to be decorated. That's right. Cheer. You want to be here, for sure, Christmas Day. But the week between Christmas and, and New Year's, New Year's sure. I mean, we, yeah, that would be a good maybe. time. Do you have a stocking? Maybe I don't know. We gotta get you a stocking. You can't celebrate Christmas. You got like the perfect fireplace with a mantle, with a TV on top, with shutters. You have shutters on your your fireplace mantle. It's perfect for you know a stocking. Mm-hmm. And Paige needs one as well. Mm-hmm. They all, your dog automatically gets one. For I sure. have to get my dog presents. Yes. Yeah. What you don't buy Paige you presents? Jerk. You owe her back. You know backlog. I know what I'm gonna get Delta for Christmas more than I know any of my mm-hmm. other family members right now. And Same. I just bought her a stocking because it's her first Christmas mm-hmm. with me. She got fed twice on Christmas last night. I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> our cat has our cat and dog both wow. have stockings. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, yeah, my cat also has a stocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving on. So, yeah, we'll look into the Alamo. I'm getting him a stocking one year. He's mm-hmm. a tiny little stocking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I feel like we will have to go through on this, though. We'll hype it up too much, and then Eric's going right? to be on Christmas being like, I'm just sitting here drinking my hot water. <laughs> they I thought I had <laughs> I'm just friends. sitting here drinking my hot water because they didn't bring me hot chocolate. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's like, I thought I had good friends. They talked a big game, but then here I am. Here we are. It's like Steve Urkel on Family Matters oh, reading his one gift card from the Orthodontist or, mm-hmm. or not gift card, but Christmas card. Cool deal. All okay. right. Well, thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And, of course, rate and review us five stars only. What? You didn't see that coming? <laughs> Please also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at What The What Media. All A one word. word. And find us on Twitter at WTW underscore media. Please share with your friends if you enjoyed today's episode or one of the 71, that seems a little low, what the what episodes that we have available in the archives, including the Santa Claus, uh, including the Grinch um, episode we did last week, 
Home Alone 1. That's right. Home Alone 2's coming soon. Started from the bottom. Uh, Elf here. is coming mm-hmm. next week. I yeah. mean, so many great Christmas podcasts uh, just coming down the, the hatch here. So. That's right. Yeah, but today, um, you know, two weeks ago we discussed the Grinch, uh, all three Grinch movies. Yeah. But on today's podcast, we are taking a deep dive into the 2015 film, mm-hmm. The Avengers Age of Ultron. Here is your spoiler warning for today's episode. While the second Avengers movie is our primary focus, we will be going deep and discussing any and all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including Marvel television shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, the tie-in comics, and any of the other 22 MCU films, taking the entire saga into account. That's right. So, this is where Ashby looks at her script and realizes she has a line here. This is the place where Ashby says a line to offer up a brief refresher in what actually happened in Avengers Age of Ultron. So, Eric, recap this movie for All us. Alright, so the Avengers, in search of Loki's scepter, strike a Hydra base. There they find Hydra heads Baron Von Strucker and Dr. List, as well as two enhanced individuals, one with super speed and one with the ability to manipulate reality, like give mind visions, powers. Mm. mind powers, all, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a gray area what she could do, but she could do it. Or a red area, if you uh, will. You know, uh, <laughs> So, Tony Stark recovers Lucky Scepter. It was behind a hidden door, behind a hidden door, yes. <laughs> yes. But not before being given a vision of a dark future where the Avengers in the world basically dies. So, to celebrate recovering uh-huh. the Scepter, the Avengers, they're a party. Dr. Bruce Banner, Tony Stark spend three days analyzing the Scepter. Tony speaks of his idea to build a suit of armor around the world to protect from threats unseen because, as he says, that's the end game. I wonder if that's going to come back to play later. They experiment using the gem inside the center and discover an AI, artificial intelligence, which they use to complete Stark's Ultron defense system. And in the process, Jarvis is seemingly destroyed and Ultron is formed. Ultron crashes the party, believing that humans should be eradicated, and he escapes with the scepter. Ultron uses Baron Von Strucker's resources to create an army of robot drones, and he recruits the twins who have the great powers, uh, Wanda and Pietro Maximoff, who blame Tony Stark um, as the one responsible for their parents' death due to his weapons being the cause. Ultron and the twins meet Ulysses Claw to make a deal for stolen vibranium. The Avengers attack, but Wanda subdues them with haunting visions, which results in Banner to Hulk out. And Tony having to don the Hulkbuster armor, mm-hmm. aka Veronica, to contain him. Due to the destruction Hulk has caused, the world's pretty ticked off. There's a backlash, the team retreats off grid at a safe house where we meet Clint Barton's wife and kids. Surprise! Uh, yep, surprise, he's married <laughs> and got kids. Um, Ultron uses the scepter along with Helen Cho's synthetic tissue technology and the vibrator to craft a new body. Wanda reads Ultron's mind as he is uploading his consciousness and discovers his plan for human eradication. So she stops Ultron. Steve Rogers, Clint Barton, Natasha Romanoff retrieve the synthetic body, but Nat gets captured by Ultron. Stark and Banner secretly upload Jarvis into the new body, which causes issues from the other Avengers. They're a little upset, a little preview mm. of Civil War here. Uh, the Thor, he shows up, he sends lightning to activate the body because he saw a vision. I want, oh, I get it now. His name's Vision. I get it. And the gem inside the uh, scepter, aka the Mind Stone, along with everything else, is used to create Vision. Who can pick up Mew Mew or Mjolnir, depending on... You know. Mew Mew! Yeah. <laughs> the Avengers race off the face with, off with Ultron, race off the face off with Ultron in Sokovia, who has created a device to raise the city from the Earth so he could drop it from a high altitude causing a global extinction. 
the Avengers Battle Ultron. Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. show up in a helicarrier to help evacuate civilians. And Pietro dies by gunfire. Mm. R.I.P. to the fast <laughs> one. Saving Clint and a young boy, Holt departs Earth in a Quinjet and Vision destroys the last remaining Ultron body. Thor leaves Earth in search of information about these mysterious stones. Uh, the Infinity Stones, he calls them. There's only been, there's been four that have shown up in the past few years. That's right. Uh, Clint no, retires. Clint Stark helps set up a new base of operations for the Avengers and Steve and Nat prepare to train the newest Avengers, James Rhodey Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine, Sam Wilson, a.k.a. The Falcon, Wanda Maximoff, who has not been given her official name of Scarlet Witch yet, yet, uh, and Vision. And in a post-credit scene, which makes no sense, but whatever, Thanos opens up a little safe, reveals that he has a little gauntlet, um, mm. maybe one that could case the Infinity Stones. Mm. Perhaps you would call this an Infinity Gauntlet, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> And he says... Let's workshop that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll workshop that idea. And he says, <laughs> fine, I'll do it myself. Oh, man. So, there's I'm your recap of the movie. I actually typed this out. I didn't copy it from anything I typed it out today. Nice. So, nice. Uh, I'm proud Solid of that. work. Yep, and it only took me, what, five minutes? Which, or, you know, maybe even less than that. That's a good So, that's not a good bad. One. I thought very it was... Very concise. Very concise. good. I didn't yeah. hire an um once. That's what I would do. Yeah, I would have done the honest. So... Let's go into our eight questions. There's usually ten, but I cut a few of them because some of them are kind of repetitive. Yeah. Um, if we need to add some of them, we can go do that in our random section. That's what it's there for. Okay. The first question, as always, do you like this film? Why or why not? Ashby, you go first. Yes. I feel like Age of Ultron gets a bad rep for valid reasons, right. and I feel like it really has a love-hate relationship with MCU fans. Um, there are a lot of fans, I think, especially in the more, like, fanish spaces like Tumblr that just say things like, oh, I like to forget this movie never happened, or I skip it, or I try to watch it and forget about certain parts of it, and because they're married to certain canonical things, which we'll get into later, mm -hmm. that this movie kind of takes a right turn from. Um, and, it, I mean, it, it's that sort of the MCU in general, right? It, yeah. None of it is ever going to be 100% canon compliant because it can't be. No. Um, and so you have to take everything, every choice they make with well, a Well, then you, you got to raise the question, well, which canon compliant? Because there's so many different Because there's so many different versions of canon. In the comic history. And it's tough when you're, when you really like a specific version of canon and then they decide not to go with that version. Mm. And I think the Age of Ultron, because it's the second Avengers movie, is where those those divergence are the most startling right. in their differences. Um, anyway, we'll talk about all that, but I really loved it. You know, I, I think that it gets a bad rap. I look at it through like the lens of just enjoying the fact that this is the first time we get the Avengers back together since the first Avengers. Mm -hmm. And now knowing, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, that this will be really the last time we see them together as a cohesive unit. Mm -hmm. Um, they've sort of banded together after the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. to be a sort of a peacekeeping organization in the world. Yep. And they seem like a well-oiled machine, so you kind of have to wonder with the time lapse between um, sort of Winter Soldier, Dark World, Iron Man 3, and then this, mm -hmm. that there has been a significant amount of time that they've maybe been training together, one can assume, 
Um, and this is where, this movie is really where the Thanon idea of Avengers as family, I think, really takes off because we see Tony's Avengers Tower design from the end of the first Avengers movie where he has brought to life his idea of everyone has maybe a floor and there's common space and yep. they're all hanging out and living and working together and that, you know, maybe they've, they've sort of, they're not just co-workers now, maybe they're found family yeah. and that's really nice to think about absolutely um kyle do you want to jump in sure i like it but it's not one of my favorites if we were going to rank it it's not in my top 10 what what everything's in your everything's top in 10. your top 10 no this one falls back there with Andy. wow i don't not wait so for i'll express wait that when we get there okay. um <laughs> I don't hate it, and like I enjoy it. I looked forward to watching it again. So it's not mm-hmm. one of those ones I watch out of despising it just to do it. Like it's not like Thor: The Dark World, right? Yeah, like right. I actually enjoyed it to sit down and see it again. It's not one I've watched over and over again. Say like the first Avengers, or even more so like with Infinity or Endgame or mm-hmm. Infinity Got or whatever Infinity War. War. Yeah, like those where I've seen multiple times, especially in the past year or so. Versus this one, I don't know if I've watched it more than maybe once like seeing it in theater maybe I've seen it another time but I feel like this movie is important because a lot of characters we meet and things that happen in, it, in this movie to set it up for other things but it's not one that I'm like I think is amazing compared to a lot of the other work they've done okay. see I really like this movie it gets a bad rap because it's the worst Avengers film mm-hmm. um, it's not better than the original it's not better than Infinity War it's not better than Endgame that doesn't mean it's a bad film hmm. by any means. Right. Though. Um, I really enjoy it. I thought it, I mean, again, ranking it, it's not going to get to be in my top 10 because there's just so many great MCU films. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of just, you know, watching it, and I've watched it a couple times over the past couple weeks to try to get, you know, I guess in the mood for this podcast. And. I we can get into like what worked the best, what you know, nitpicks and all that stuff. But I just I enjoyed seeing this group on you know together. Uh, uh, the story is a little disjointed in some places, and I felt like you know maybe there were some issues here and there. But overall, yes, loved this movie. Um, enjoyed seeing our characters that we have seen over the course of at this point ten other MCU films. Right. Uh, come together plus the addition of new characters um i thought it did really well um again not the best avengers film probably the worst avengers film but again if you rank the other three i'd say they are all like nine out of ten or better mm-hmm. this i think is maybe an eight out of ten which is still a pretty good grade right yeah i don't think it's a bad movie like i definitely don't think that like you say it just has a lot to stand up again when you have so many marvel movies to choose from to sit down and watch it's just not one of my top ones. In a vacuum, yeah. where you're not comparing it to other MCU films, mm-hmm. this is a it's a great movie. This is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, in my opinion. Um, once you start the comparing the game, right. then it does seem to falter a little bit. If you just look at it on its own, right, it's a it's a great superhero movie. Okay, maybe not the best of all time, but not everything can be the best of all time. No, right. So, um, cool. So. Um, Moving on from there, what are some of your favorite scenes? So, I like a lot of the scenes that give us some foreshadowing. Um, that's the literature minor in me. I'm like, ooh, they're setting us up. Foreshadowing, yeah. Foreshadowing. Yeah. 
So, one of my favorite scenes is when Tony and Steve are arguing. Mm-hmm. And we see a little bit of that, like, tentative friendship bordering on animosity start to sort of, like, mm-hmm. bubble up. Um, and Tony says, I don't trust a guy without a dark side. And Steve says, maybe you just haven't seen mine yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a little bit more of that when they are fighting over Ultron. And you see Steve and Tony fight each other very briefly for the mm-hmm. first time. And... What we don't know on the first watch of this is that we're going to get Civil War later. Yes. And so they're they're sort of setting us up for... Now, what I don't know, because I didn't really look too hard into the timeline of production, is by the time they're making... Because when they ended Winter Soldier, they had every intention of having a third Captain America movie that would be Serpent Society. Mm-hmm. And it would be... Natasha and Steve and Sam chasing Bucky around the world mm-hmm. and trying to infiltrate and destroy what was left of Hydra mm-hmm. globally. Um, and that never came to fruition. They decided to do Civil War instead as the third cat movie. Mm-hmm. So what I don't know is if they realize in Age of Ultron that they're setting us up for Civil War mm-hmm. or all this foreshadowing is just sort of coincidental. Well, the same way because there's the part where like Sam comes in and says, you know, Right, he mentions that, the fact he's been chasing down right, their friend. Right, cold you know. case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cold leads on that missing persons mm-hmm. case is yeah. what he calls it. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that that's one of my favorite scenes is that sort of like initial interaction with Tony and and Steve where we start to kind of see the cracks in mm-hmm. the foundation of the friendship. I think for me, a lot of it comes off for the first trailer, or at least one of the main trailers. I don't know if it's the first for sure, for a second. But it was the one that had the Pinocchio song in the background. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, no strings. I mean, how creepy it sounded. Um, so, going off of that. Like, and I've realized, too, that, like, I know I'm a Batman fan at heart above everything else. And he has a great rogues gallery. And I like how creepy his villains are or can be. Mm-hmm. And same way, anybody has them. So, like, but in my mind, like, I've started to pay more attention. Especially watching all these superhero movies. Is where, What's the villain? How right. good is this villain? Right. Mm-hmm. Because if th- he's not good, then the team really doesn't matter. Because right. Because it's not nothing to fight against. So my favorite part, especially the very beginning, when you first hear James Fader's voice, mm. where he's trying to figure things out, then it's just pitch black, and you're just kind of hearing him, and Jarvis kind of going back and forth. And you realize, like, okay, well, this is not what they intended him to be. And then beyond that, that next little clip later on after the party, they're all hanging out, and this halfway, like, scrammed together robot comes with like halfway creepily walking out and how dark it really could turn to be right with this creepy character like I was sold on him as soon as I saw that in the trailer as soon as I saw it in the movie like it's just a very creepy feeling that yeah he's a great villain yeah it comes off saying that I definitely think they have they're up against something huge right now um and so it got me excited for the beginning of the movie from there on yeah so, my favorite scenes are also at the very beginning of the movie. The very first scene where they're going to strike the Hydra base and you see the Avengers working together as a team. First time you've seen mm-hmm. them all together since the Battle of New York where right. they had just come together and their teamwork is flawless here. Yeah. You got Cap and, and Thor working together with Mew Mew and the, and the, um, and the shield, and the shield yeah. which they and, clearly have had to practice. Exactly. Right. You've got Nat and Hulk. They figured out a little connection there where, mm-hmm. okay, Hulk can shrink back down the banner now, which right. is kind of cool. 
Um, you know, Hawkeye's not brainwashed. Which is right, nice. right, right. Um, just the banter going back and forth, their own comms the whole time. Mm-hmm. Language, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I really enjoy that. And then the aftermath of that scene where they're celebrating at a get together. Right. And then, like, you know, they're just, they're having like little contests. Who can pick up, Th- um, you know, Mjolnir? Um, you know, Nat doesn't need to be a part of that. She, she doesn't, right. she has nothing to prove there. Yeah, she exactly. doesn't need to have that answer or question answered. Yeah. Um, you've got, uh, James Road, uh, Rhodey, who's trying to impress everyone with his great story uh-huh. is mm-hmm. Iron Patriot or, you right. know, whatever. And yeah. none of the Avengers are impressed. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that story like, normally kills. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see it kill later. Right. I mean, and he's like, seeing them interact yeah. together and have fun and downtime. Yes. yes. I absolutely love it. Plus yeah. there's a great little scene in there where Steve Rogers is picking up Mjolnir and it nudges. It nudges. Just, We're going to talk about that just later. Just a little bit. Yeah. And you can see the look on Thor's face, like, oh, right. wait, wait, wait a minute, wait, right. what, 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 what? Yeah. So, yeah, my favorite scenes. <laughs> yeah. At the very beginning of the movie, them working together, and then some downtime. Plus, the um, the uh, Doctor uh, Banner start connection. Mm-hmm. They're just geeking out. Yes. On, uh, science Bros. The Science Bros. There's one yeah. of those. Science, science Bros. Was, bros was just born, yeah. Geeking. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. I also loved, and this was... I think this goes hand in hand with Steve nudging Monier, but one of my favorite scenes in that particular party scene is when Thor is drinking and one of the vets is like, give, give me some of that. And Thor goes, this was not meant for mortal men and then literally hands Steve a glass. Yes. You know? Yes. And so I think that, that Thor... Some more foreshadowing. Ha- yes, has like maybe this idea that like Steve is different than mortals. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite godlike. Yeah. But also like just different enough that he can sort of like hang with Thor mm-hmm. in like the strength and then having maybe like godly drinks as yes. well. Um, who was that vet so. who wanted that drink by the way? Um, you know, some guy named Stanley. Uh, Stanley, yeah. <laughs> um, I, just, his I love when he's like, I know what I'm about, son. Like, he <laughs> wants to drink. Come on, son. And then they get all the vets get super drunk, and he's like, Excelsior. And one of the vets is just standing there. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that in the back, and I was like, for a second, I was like, was, so drunk. was that intentional or yes. was that not? But he's then you so realize, drunk. yes, he's just frozen. Yeah, he's just like, like that's what up. that drink did to him. Yes. Oh, it was so funny. So anyway, I that, that I always liked that party scene, mm-hmm. um, letting them sort of like let their hair down, which is mm-hmm. really nice. Um, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Hulk versus Hulkbuster fight. Yeah, that was pretty fantastic. Very well done, especially Tony's you know rapid fire punch. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff there. Something I like too about this movie compared to the first Avengers. And, I, and it's weird for me to say this because coming into these movies after you've watched all the X-Men and stuff where it's just a bunch of black leather suits I came from wanting something super comic accurate where they have these wildish colors and crazy stuff but it was cool to see in this movie how stuff was toned down a little bit not so that it's not important anymore not that it's not there they don't have their color like to make it who they are but it's not so outlandishly out there as in like how the first Avengers. And like I said, I still like it in the Avengers. Like it's, it's, it's much more straight out of the comics. But just how it's the tone toned down a little and bit. Let's be real here. Sometimes those comic accurate suits or costumes mm-hmm. look ridiculous. Sure. Like they look great on right. a comic book mm-hmm. page. 
They look ridiculous on real people, but I like the subtle nods to it. So you have Wanda Maximoff, who in the comics wears this, mm-hmm. you know, red little uh, get up and leaves nothing to the imagination. Here she mm-hmm. wears a red leather jacket with mm-hmm. a white dress, right. and and it just it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? um, Vision, you know, is not wearing this bright yellow whatever, right? Like, which Green uh, which and... you'll see in. Um, in one division that comes yeah. out in middle of January yep. uh, on Disney Plus. Yep. Uh, to take my money, Disney, because you're taking it now. For sure. Um, For sure. But um, but you know, little subtle nods to it, like it's still faithful mm-hmm. to the comic adaptation while not being over the top corny. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, any other favorite scenes y'all want to mention? Mm. Um, I well yeah we'll get into that when we go to the what what moment. Um, what worked the best in this movie? So, I think of this movie as like, because I know there are phases in the MCU, but I think of this movie as like the hinge in Mm -hmm. the turning point. Yes. For the MCU. Yes. And what would come later. So, by the time we get to Age of Ultron, most of the main, all of the main characters have had a second movie. So, Cap, Thor, well, yeah. But, yeah, your your big three have had. The Holy Trinity, you know, like Iron Man, Cap, and Thor have all had a second movie. We've just had Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. So, now, what Age of Ultron has to do is it has to give you character development turning points mm-hmm. for everyone you have to to sort of scatter your your main fighting force mm-hmm. and then you have to start sort of catapulting the plot forward in a way that now involves way more way more than just sort of um like you know busting arms dealers all the yeah. way long day you know yeah. so now we have space Yes. And we have Infinity Stones, and we're going to start to get into, like, warping time and reality. Mm-hmm. And, and so this movie has to be a jumping-off point. Yes. And I think that what happens is any movie that, that has to carry all that on their backs ends up that there are flaws in it. Mm-hmm. But what it's supposed to do, I think it does really well. And so now we know, looking back, that this was the movie... Where Tony, you know, points up and says that up there, that's the end game, mm-hmm. and so everything else moving forward is kind of gonna be guiding us towards that, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll even add on to that the quality of MCU films. The first two phases, you had hits and misses. Okay, you had great hits like the Avengers, like Winter Soldier, the first Iron Man, you know, Guardians, right. you know, but you also had some misses. Thor: The Dark World, Thor: The First One. Iron Man 2. Right, right. You know, Incredible Hulk. You had some misses there too. But look at the slate after Age of Ultron. Right. You had Ant-Man, okay, which again is a phase two film. I think it's super enjoyable. And I enjoy it. for It's, it's a good heist movie. You know? Right. Um, but then beyond that you have Civil War. You have right. Black Panther. Right. You have Guardians 2. Right. You have Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. I mean, you have these great, you don't, and even the ones that aren't like great, great, like Doctor Strange, visually great, but maybe not the great, greatest right. movie, right. it's still really, it's not a miss. But even like Ant-Man and Doctor Strange are giving you things that will be important yes. later. Yeah. Tent poles. Right. Absolutely. You they know? are setting up this larger world. Right. And again, they're not like outwardly bad movies. No. Right. Like there are no misses there. They are right. good. And then you have your great movies as well. And it starts with this movie. 
Yeah. Like it, it's kind of divisive, but this, like you said, is the hinge right. beyond this point. You're getting bangers. Yes. I mean, it's like it's like you go right. to a concert and you know for the first hour or so they're playing some decent songs, mm-hmm. but then they're starting hit after hit after right. hit after right. hit, and it's just crazy. And that's what this is like. Yeah, so. and I'll I'll use Captain America just as a an example because this was something I thought of when I was looking at deleted scenes. So when you when we think about in game not in game sorry Age of Ultron being the jumping off point for like rapid character development moving forward so there's a deleted scene from Age of Ultron that we don't get to see where um, Steve is running through Sokovia and he sees this graffiti art this very anti-America anti-Captain America and it's him with the cowl and the wings and I think it says like fascist on it or something like that and he takes his cowl off and he throws it away mm-hmm. and keeps running. Right. Um, and so I think this is sort of the beginning of the deconstruction of Steve as Cap as he spends the next movie sort of like shedding what the mantle means to everyone else versus what the mantle means to him and like mm-hmm. what he's willing to carry in the name of being the Captain America that everyone wants him to be. Right. Um, and so I think that it, this is sort of, it's very interesting to me because I think that shedding ends up being literal whether they meant it to be or not. So like in Age of Ultron, he loses the cow, and then in Civil War, he loses the shield, and by the time he's Nomad in Infinity War, he's ripped the star off of his yep. chest. Mm-hmm. And so we literally see Steve Rogers becoming Steve Rogers mm-hmm. and sort of putting away Captain America in, into Endgame. Mm-hmm. Where he literally turns it all over, yeah. part and parcel to Sam. Sam. So I just thought that was really interesting, and I and he's a good example. And I'm not going to do everyone, but like I feel like every main Avenger, starting from Age of Ultron, sort of you'll get to see you, you see, see that. their progress, you see their story, it's right? Literally laid out for them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kyle, what worked the best for you, buddy? Actually, we already touched on it earlier, but I put it for mine is just the team that the Avengers has become at this point. Yeah. Because now they do have that relationship together versus the first Avengers. They kind of working together as a team, but they don't know each other. They don't know their strengths or weaknesses as much anyway. They knew ideas of things, but they didn't have that teamwork that you would have where you've worked together with people and stuff. The same way you said you could see they've worked through some of this stuff. Like this isn't just natural ability to between Cap and Thor to work together with Mjolnir and the shield and everything else. Like it's they've worked on this and they've practiced this. I always think about like the X-Men danger room that they have where they can go and do all these things in the danger room to train to get ready for such a thing. Um, and, you know, not sort of saying they have the same thing, but I just, I really did like that. And even when they had divisive moments throughout this, they still had that relationship with each other that they could talk about these things and it actually be concerned conversation versus the first one. When they're having conversations, it's more... I'm not gonna say like snotty at each other, but it's just they don't have a friendship there, so they're just very stating about things. Like you know, between Cap and Iron Man in the first one, when Tony's trying to you know do things or run tests or keeps poking Hulk, you know, mm-hmm. Cap doesn't have a bond with him to do anything right. other than just I know who you are and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Quit being a jerk. Like. Yeah. Versus this, you know. Well, now they're like joking about, oh, he said language, are we going to mention yeah. that? Right. You know, I mean, it's just like mm-hmm. they have this 
banter about them now. Mm-hmm. Where like like they're actually we, a we mentioned I mentioned now. earlier with Cap and Thor uh, in the first scene where they're battling and they're teaming up. There's like a little section where like look they're lining up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just make it easy. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just that little back and forth banter there. Right, just, and he kicks the robot off mm-hmm. the bridge. He's like, yes. you never finished. <laughs> 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 yes. uh-huh. Um, uh, I agree with there's that. There's some solid humor. In I mean, there's some really good humor in this. I yeah. agree. I agree with both of y'all. Um, the the teamwork and the the framework of the Avengers is never better than it is right now until arguably the uh, end game. Yeah. Um, where they're having to come together because they're trying to right. bring people back. Right. Um, I'll say uh, a couple other things that for me work the best. Um, the foundation it sets for the rest of the MCU moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not just foreshadowing, but introduction of places, things, ideas. Um, you see the idea of the world not being happy uh, about the Avengers tearing up their their country. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever Hulk and uh, and Iron Man have their big battle, the reason they go off grid is because the world's pretty upset. Right, right. That there's a lot of collateral damage in that city. Right. Um, so that sets the framework for the Sokovia Accords, right, which Civil is based War. on Sokovia, which right. is where this battle happens. Yes. Um, you get the foundation for where vibranium comes from. Right. We knew vibranium existed because it's what Cap Shield's made out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the first Avenger, Howard Stark mentions that he found it in the deepest parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. Well, now we know it comes from Wakanda. Wakanda, um, right. And you get introduced to Ulysses Claw, who's Black Panther, a Black Panther foe mm-hmm. that you'll end up seeing later on in the MCU. Right. But we set that um, that up as well. You see, one thing I noticed, uh, whenever Vision became sentient, you know, became mm-hmm. living, mm-hmm. the look on Elizabeth Olsen's face. Yeah. Looking at him. Mm-hmm. I never noticed it until today when I saw that scene again. But you could tell there was an attraction there. Right. Like, like I don't know if it was wonder. I don't know if it's planned that way. Right. But reading into it, maybe I'm reading too much into right. that scene. And he saves her. Yeah, and he saves her. Right. And But, you know, that scene where he is just, you know, there and everyone's kind of saying, everyone's kind of staring at him, but she stares at him a different way. Right. You know, and I, it's hard to kind of explain. Right. But, so you can argue the seats for that is being set up there. Mm-hmm. Um... Clint's relationship with Wanda is set up. Um, they they have a like kind of a brother sister relationship right. uh, in Civil War where mm-hmm. uh, he comes to get her from the Avengers Tower. Right. Um, and or almost then, like a father daughter. Maybe father daughter. Yeah, I don't know. But it's it's almost like he's too he's too old to be her brother and too young to be her father. Yeah. So it's like a weird sort of mentor mentor mentee relationship. And we, and we get to see that briefly. And that's set up. Um, the seeds for civil war, as I mentioned earlier, planted there between um, Cap and Iron Man, their ideologies. Mm-hmm. Um, just so many good things being set up, and I think that works really well for this movie. Um, I'll say this: I, I have some nitpicks about uh, the way it was handled, but James Spader's Ultron mm-hmm. worked really oh, well yeah. for me. Uh, I'm a big James Spader fan. Um, I was first introduced to him. In the last season of The Practice, um, which was a law drama on ABC in 2004 was when he uh, debuted, mm-hmm. which he was so good in that show, he spun off into his own show with William Shatner called Boston Legal. Yes. And, like, that, there was no plans for that show. Interesting. Okay. Uh, he showed up in The Practice, which had fired half of its main cast. It was right. like going into its last season. Right. He shows up, and he's so good. 
They're like, David E. Kelly, you need to do a spinoff with right. uh, James Spader's character. Yeah. And so, there yeah. you go. You get Boston Legal out of that. It happens sometimes. Um, and then he had his run in The Office, which was a little disappointing. He was mm-hmm. talking, um, and Erica looked at me, and she's like, that's the guy I hate from The Office, yeah. right? I was like, yes, that's him. Yep. It's Robert yeah. California. And um, <laughs> But he just, the way he has this voice that, I don't know, it just it resonates the way he was mm-hmm. going through mm-hmm. Ultron's, you know, processing all the world's history and information and um, it's just good stuff. Yeah. Um, so I felt like that worked really well as well. So, yeah. Um, so that's all I, I think that's all I've got. If I think of some other things, I'll, you know, how I do. We'll just go out of order. Uh, nitpicks. I'm sure there are some. Yes. All right. Kyle, you want to go first? Sure. Um, this goes against what you said one of your favorite things was. Oh, boy. But I didn't like the opening sequence. But not the Ooh. whole, not the whole sequence. It's literally the very first. I don't know, like maybe thirty seconds or a minute of it, where it's just very CGI. Like I don't believe for half a second that any of those characters are really there until they start doing the close-ups and actually have them fighting and doing things. Right. But when they're flying around, like either a motorcycle or a jet ski, whatever, not jet ski, but whatever it is, like all the machines and the things that are flying through, and there's parts of it you can tell, yes, there's that's actually being filmed. There's a lot of it that's very not real looking. Um, and it's just me being over picky. But for that, it's not a major thing as a ruin. Once they cut from that to them actually fighting and the teamwork and everything else from there, I'm in. Like, I love that scene there. It's just that first little part of it. Knowing that's the beginning of the movie, like, I sat down to watch it last night and, like, I had my phone out to take notes on, and that was the very first thing I noticed was. That looks really fake. At least some of it. It almost looked more like a video game than it did actually the cast. Once again, that doesn't really change things or, you know, matter that much. Right. Um, one thing for me, and it's once again a villain thing. I loved him as Ultron, especially in the beginning where he's very creepy and very dark almost. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, this man could destroy the world and the Avengers are actually scared about it. Like... And I feel like he loses that some throughout the movie. Right. Um, and I know that's just a me as a preference thing. Where it's the same way, like, I think of how the Joker comes out creepy in The Dark Knight. And it's very, like, real. And it's very, you, you get that. And he's very, he's creepy in a way that, honestly, you don't necessarily believe he could just all out kill everybody with weapons or anything else. That, just his mind and just the way he operates. That's the same type of vibe I got from... Ultron, when he first, especially starts kind of creeping into that room, right? You're like, this is like, even the way he walks, like his voice, how like he's calm when he's talking. It's like this is a man that can blow or like can kill everything. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. And I feel like he loses that some throughout the movie. Uh, like I said, doesn't ruin it for me. It's just no. a nitpick for me where it's I would have liked to have seen, and that's not me as a comic book person either. Because I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about Ultron in the comics. Like, right. I didn't go back and research any of that and look into that before the movie. Um, and I remember seeing the movie theaters like I left happy like it's not yeah. where I left and was like you weren't like Ricky. there you weren't like Ricky after we watched Infinity War yeah and he was like wait I gotta wait a year to see what happens yeah. well that sucks yeah. <laughs> well I think about it in the same way too for like not to jump all around but like Wonder Woman that whole movie is awesome and I loved it and then it, for me at the end like the villain just doesn't hold up to what it could be at the end for me in Wonder Woman like it turns instead of being real world real here it turns more to a CGI thing in, in the Wonder Woman 
I'm wrong. I like Wonder Woman too. Like it's one of the best ones DC's put out. The best one. Yeah, but <laughs> facts. Yeah. I will well, agree. <laughs> that, at least in the last. It's in my top ten. I it's, could actually see what was happening on the screen. Yes, <laughs> in the new things that are in in the new realm of movies they put out. Yes. Um, let me look real quick just to see. Once again, it's the same way I talked about in the first Avengers. And I think it's a me thing again, but instead of having real world villains that he, they're fighting mm-hmm. it's a lot more robots again yeah in the same way there's aliens and i get it because it's you could have a pg-13 movie where you can kill people non-stop but nobody cares because it's robots right um you can safely get away with that and i get too like he's all technology he makes sense for him to have robot you know henchmen type people i get all that too so i'm not saying it's wrong it's no. just for me i'm more of a real world villain like there's more at stake because you lives are at stake, I guess, with that. I, I think that's one of my nitpicks with the Avengers movies in general is mm-hmm. that the Avengers is a, they're a team, mm-hmm. but they're always facing like a singular villain. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the fear of Spider-Man threeing it up, mm-hmm. where you have too many villains, sure. you know, whatever. But if built up correctly, you know, like a team of villains going up against the Avengers might make a little more sense, I guess, down the line. Mm-hmm. Right. But, like, in the first Avengers, you got Loki, but you also have the uh, Chitauri. Mm-hmm. you got the army of Ultron robots here. Mm-hmm. you got Thanos, who is strong enough to take on all the Avengers, but you also got his forces, like his his uh, the children of Thanos, well, the, the Outriders the, and stuff. And the cool thing with that, like, I'll give that credit. Like At least they all fight the main guy there. Well, know? they fight him, but then he has his main, I can't remember their name, you probably just said, but the crew... That works for him. There's like four to yeah, five the children, the children, yeah. the Black Order. Yeah, yeah. So for them, that's still real characters. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's they not still have their brains. It's something. They, now yeah, we'll get to it when we get the Infinity War. They're mm-hmm. basically like a, a step over Red Shirt, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, they they were not really given a lot to do in that film. But at least they're there. You know, they're, they're real just, people. It's yeah. not fake things. Are um, like real so, brains and hearts and different characters. But yeah, so. I, I agree with. Um, a nitpick as much as I love Ultron uh, as a character the fact that you took nine Avengers plus the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and whatever to, to battle you know like I don't know that just that's just something that is not my favorite thing right. it makes sense when you have one villain versus one hero for the singular movies but I feel like Ultron as a threat like you mentioned he kind of lost some of that down the line down in the movie and I, I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's just setting up for how big of a threat Thanos will be later on down the line. That you know, this is one guy. Not, like all these Avengers couldn't stop him. I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, I think too between you've got that and you've like at first he had like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver as part of his yeah henchmen per se, like the mm-hmm. people that are helping him. Like I feel like you could have gone. A little bit deeper with that before making the turn for them, but like I say, it's not. Again, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It right. doesn't lose it where it's bad, and it's like I'm not. Well, and it's, a, it's it, another but. nitpick for me that this again is another one-off villain. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marvel at this point has had eleven movies. You've had the Ironmonger killed off. You've had uh, Justin Hammer, who's been put in jail. We hadn't seen him since. Plus, you had. Um, Whiplash was he killed? Um, I can't see. That's how much I remember Iron Man two. You have uh, Killian Aldrich who was killed off. Yeah. Um, in Iron Man three, you have uh, Loki who 
still mm-hmm. alive. Right. So credit there. But then you've got... They don't know he's still alive, though. That's right. They don't know he's still alive. Pierce they, is dead Yeah. Winter Soldier. Yeah, Alexander Pierce is dead. Red Skull is gone, mm-hmm. living on Volmir, but we don't know that, don't know that for a few either. more years. Uh, you got the dark el- or like the elves, dark elves, mm-hmm. and thank God they're dead. I mean, right, honestly. I mean, so you have all these villains, and then you got um, in Guardians, you had um, who was the uh, Ronan the Accuser. Right, he's dead. Dead. Um, they just they're killing off all mm-hmm. these villains, and right. in, in Ultron is you know he's on screen for two hours and you never see him again. Right. Um, one of the reasons you know we talked about with Loki. He's such a great villain because they didn't kill him off. They gave him room for character growth. Right. Um, right. And it's just really hard to get... A, a superhero team is only as good as their weakest right. villain, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. Um, or the villain that they're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, their adversary. So when you don't have a real, a real reason to care about said adversary, right. it makes you hard... It's hard to kind of care about right. what the fate of those heroes, I guess. Yeah. Trying to get across. yeah. So uh, that would be one of my nitpicks. I have one more on my list, and then I'll, I'll let y'all take free reign. But it was the sexual tension between Bruce Banner. Oh and yeah, Natalie. Oh, that's one of mine. I'll yeah. Talk, I'll okay. Talk about yeah, it you then. go for it. Then I'll, I won't go. Um, on. Okay, so I have three, three. Yeah, Two yeah. of them are tied together. Okay. The language thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it burns me up. Hmm. It burns me up. Why? And, I, and I'm gonna let. I, it was done. I think for humor, and I hate it. And mm. I, there's no way that. Post Winter Soldier, Steve Rogers cares a bleep about cussing, mm. and I'm gonna let Tumblr speak for me, and I'm gonna have that's to say <laughs> some more bleeps. Mm. Oh, that's so never this good. says what she says. I'm fine. What she means. What's with language line? What's with the language line in Age of Ultron? Has Joss Whedon never talked to a World War II vet? They're the most foul-mouthed, randy people I've ever met. Does he think Steve grew up in upstate New York? He grew up in Brooklyn with gays and immigrants and people who had hard lives. It, um, he's heard it all in every language. Furthermore, if Steve self-censored himself, he wouldn't be the kind of person to tell others to watch their language. He loves people's freedom. Honestly, look at Bucky and tell me that that's a clean mouth person. Joss Whedon completely misses the character, and now the two-dimensional Boy Scout image of Steve has returned to popular culture, and I hate it. <laughs> Can I counter? Because I don't disagree. Sure. But I, I would guess. like to counter. There, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but there's always been, like, I guess, like this prevailing thought that a gentleman doesn't use language in front of a lady. Yeah, but okay. So like, I still don't I'm agree. wondering if that. Well, they're only because comms. there's also no way that Peggy Carter wasn't foul mouthed, and that like Steve didn't just get used to that. Like I don't I, think I don't that know. the fact that Natasha's there means Steve I, suddenly like guys watch her language. I don't see you say that about Peggy Carter. I don't know that in, in canon, maybe in fanon, but in canon, we don't have any evidence of her being foul mouthed. There's no way that the Peggy Carter who makes it all the way through what three seasons of Agent Carter Two seasons. doesn't cuss. Like I know that she can't because it's cable television, but right. like I'm sorry, Peggy Carter, the Peggy Carter who punched out that dude that dared step to her in that lineup at Camp Lee. Oh, you can punch says out some someone. cuss words. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm not disagreeing necessarily. I'm just saying don't confuse canon with fanon. That's, or I'll tell or you, head fanon. I mean, that's true, but like, I just don't think. 
at, literally at the end of the movie, Steve says a cuss word. Yes, like, he does. He I evolved. Just, I just don't think, like, I just think he, it's stupid. I think the line is lesson. stupid. I think Look, the whole thing is stupid. I'll like, jump Steve in the middle. Rogers cusses. I'll jump in the middle. I don't think he does, per se, often, but I think it was dumb. Like, it was out of nowhere for him to say it. Like, whenever it happened, and, like, he's like, language, like, if for no reason was that to happen. Like, yeah. that's not his character I mean, before. He's like for me. He's not the guy that goes around and just cussing at the show. He's tough. I think of Ray Road, honestly. Chris Road's dad. I think of him when I think of Captain America. I remember being a younger kid, being like with we were at the Clayton um, bowling alley, and we were playing pool, and his dad was there with us, and like our, both of our parents were there, like the women, like the wives were there, and we were at least middle schoolers, if not older. Um, but we're playing. There's a bunch of dudes like off to the side cussing up a storm saying like some of your worst words or whatever and he stops right in the middle of it and walks in and he's like hey guys have some respect for like the ladies and the younger ones over here look up you know he's like the guy that it made me feel so uncomfortable in that moment that I was like this is really weird but the fact that like in his mindset he also wasn't saying hey you can't do this but like right. hey just be a little bit more respectful for these ladies in the same way he was like a retired you know right. Air Force person so I don't know. And for me, it's one of those things too. Like I just grew up never cussing. It just wasn't my thing. Like not. I remember like dating a girl that cussed like a sailor, and it made me have to try to learn how to cuss. Like right. it's just not been a part of me. It just wasn't allowed in my household. Yeah, so I didn't start cussing until I moved out. Yeah, well, like I said, you know? I don't think. But I also have a problem with like don't cuss around women or yeah. ladies uh, can't cuss. I'm not saying like, they can't. No, yeah, no, no. I'm just saying. The like old timey gentleman. Us. That's what I'm saying. The picture frame. I get from right. Captain America. Is, I mean, he's, I also, he's a gentleman. He's going to try to. I get this. that if if this line had been in the first Avengers, sure. I will give it to you. If Steve Rogers has just come out of the ice, he's trying to acclimate to a new century. He's out of his depth. Like I get it, but I'm just saying that like this, like the Cap that we see in Age of Ultron has been through some things sure. and has evolved, and I think that that. That giving him that one line, I think takes takes him back, and I don't like it. Like, I agree with that. Like you know, mm, I I feel like it's all the same way that everybody loves the next Thor movie because it's funny. Versus for me, it took a lot of that out of it for me. Right. When I went and saw it, it's like you're just literally just trying and trying to get every punchline you can in with him. Right. Like for me, it just didn't make it great for me. Like I, did, I enjoyed it. Like and we'll talk about that when we talk about the movie. But it's the same way for me here. It's it came out of nowhere. It didn't really make sense to have it, but it was more so just to have something funny to say to like for the team to have something to joke about as a common thing for them together. Right. But it doesn't ruin the movie for me. But I can totally understand and agree with where you're coming from. I well, yeah. I mean, not that I'm. It's not my job to allow you to do anything, but you you are allowed to have that nitpick. Okay. I, I will okay. Not, I will not disvalue okay. or discredit your nitpick. That's fair. Um, okay. <laughs> second nitpick. Clip Barton has a family, a secret family. Okay. As we all do. So this is probably right. another like you have to really discern, you know, fanon from canon. But like, and I also one hundred percent let me say believe that like men and women can just be friends. But I feel like they spent some time sort of teasing this coworker friendship, maybe more relationship between Natasha and Clint, and then just like dropped a bomb in Age of Ultron where it's like actually surprise Clint has an entire like wife and kids Natasha's really just a friend there's nothing between them she clearly knows about his secret family 
the other Avengers don't. And, like, his wife and her friends, and they're going to name the kid after her. Like, it's this whole weird mm. thing. And then I think what happened is because they made that choice, then they were like, oh, no, we have a female character that doesn't have a love interest. What will we do? And they just stuck her with Banner mm-hmm. because, like, oh, Natasha has this way with the Hulk. She can get him to calm down. I don't, I mean, I think any of the other characters could have probably worked with him to get him to calm down. But, again... Maybe I'm just, like, irrationally angry about it. But, like, mm-hmm. oh, she's the female. Let her touch his hand and he'll go back to being human. And so then it's like, well, I mean, if Hulk likes her, then, like, obviously it makes sense for her and Banner to be romantically linked. And so then they shove them together. And I agree with you, Kyle. It's awkward. It's very awkward. And I don't like it. And then in order to have them have this weird romantic moment where they're both sort of, like, having to find a way to like have this weird circular conversation in the bedroom where Mm. she wants to run away with him but he's like but i can't give you kids because that's what women want Mm. from you at all times and she can only do something to meet him where he's at and so they give her a sterile storyline where the red room took her ability to have children Mm. and like the whole thing is just gross to me it's just gross i don't like it I think that, like, Natasha is this, like, amazing, strong, capable, like, fear me woman that is, like, had to do a lot to get where she is as a character who's had to come from a background where it would have been easier to be a villain and she, like, crawls herself, like, up to being a hero and in, like, four minutes you just turned her into a weepy woman who's sad she can't have kids. Like, not that there aren't people who aren't like dealing with infertility i just think that like that whole scene is it doesn't serve anyone and i would i will even add she has a line where she's telling uh banner that she you know she's sterile she can't have kids with her she has a line who who's the monster now or something along those lines and why would you ever associate infertility and sterilization With being a monster. Right. And I, I realize she is also talking about being an assassin. But, like, yes, that's a horrible association to make. That, like, somehow she sees herself as a monster because she's sterile. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. No. What? No, I'm I just, don't buy it. I, I would love to scrap that you, entire like, bedroom scene. I wasn't against their relationship at the beginning. And I'll say it because of this. And the same way I said, I think, I don't know if it was civil... Um, Winter Soldier or whatever, but the more I'm going back and watching these movies, the more and more I'm intrigued by her. Like, right. she's becoming my favorite. I love what she's doing. Yes. She doesn't have the a billion, like, oh, well, she's superhero, just give her whatever to make her get through to the next scene. Like, right. She has to work to get through it. Yep. Right. Um, and I will say, like, once again, I'm not comparing her to Batman, but that's just the way I think. Like, he doesn't just have a billion powers. She has to think through what he's doing. Like, right. She's human. Yes. She, she have has tons of skills and, like, she's worked to that yeah. and been through a bunch of junk to get there. So knowing that, like, whenever that first scene happens where she is the person that calms him down, I don't see it necessarily as a bad thing at first. Right. When I yeah. first saw it, I was like, okay, well, they're going this way with this. Like, right. this could possibly be a big thing. Right. And I remember thinking that in the theater, and I remember just honestly just kind of actually liking the idea that she's been through so much crap that she knows how to calm the monster down that's right. like on the other side of it. Like, she can be there. And they do have that relationship. Right. The part that kept bothering me was like, you keep teasing this and getting within an inch of each other. Right. And then moving on. It's not right. like one of those things that you're 
by the time it happens, you're excited. By the time it happens, it's just right. exploded, and well, they had to do whatever. And they then do. they never go back to it. No, right. That's right. There's there's one line Ever. in Infinity War. Where Banner's like, "I think you look great." They basically and just like, their hat. They're like, yeah. "Nap." And then in cool. Endgame, Banner's trying to bring Nap back <laughs> from you know from death because right. he loves her, but. But that's the. But, but that's does the, he? Because by that time, like the, the fact the, that that's he's, the only connection right. there. Or like only, just, I mean, it's very I, right. vague and very right. whatever. I mean, I get that he's upset in Endgame because everyone's upset because everyone's of upset, what happened. Yeah. But like I, the idea that like he somehow is more upset because they have something by that, like by, no, that, by that point, yeah, they're, we're they're, done. It's yeah, over. Done, like yeah. you can't. And I even well, the first time I remember the first time I saw Age of Ultron. It even got to the bar scene where they're flirting at the party, and I was for it. Like, yeah, I was yeah, with yeah. it. Because I, was I like the idea that she is this woman who has seen the Hulk mm-hmm. and, and can deal with that side of Banner mm-hmm. and doesn't run screaming yeah. and understands having these parts of you that you're not proud of and that you're afraid of because mm-hmm. of what the Red Room did to her. Mm-hmm. And, like, her just saying, like, I see you, I see all of you. And I want you anyway. Like, yeah. I was there. Yeah. And then yeah, the, we got to the farmhouse, and I was like, <coughs> and it just, like, exploded in fire, and it was just, it was terrible. So, There's like, so many moments. There's a couple of other before. I, I don't remember if it's before the farm scene or what. There may have been there, but where they get so close to almost kissing each other. Yes. That it's painful to watch. Yes. It's not even like. Yes. It's not like how in the office where Jim and Pam finally connect or whatever, and you're like, I've been waiting three or four seasons for this. Like, right. no. It's not, it doesn't pay off. Like, it's no. just like, no, just stop. Like, don't, don't kiss. Because at this point, you're ruined. Yeah. This isn't going to work. Right. And especially, like, there could have been something for it to go for. Because even when you go back to the first Avengers, you can tell whenever he turns into Hulk that she's slightly, like, more scared of him then. Right. But at the same time, she's more like, what's going on here? How does this get handled? Right. She doesn't run screaming. She's like, how do I fix this or help yes. this or whatever? Also, that whole thing between her and Bruce leads to what I think is the most uncomfortable quote in the entire movie said by Tony where he says, um, you and Banner not, better not be playing hide the zucchini. Oh. And I'm like, how did they get away with that? Oh my goodness. How did they get away with that? But like, I remember I, I rewatched it last night and I was like, uh, mm. uh, <laughs> I have two more nitpicks, and then we need to move on. Um, but one ties into the whole uh, disservice to Natasha. Um, they make her a damsel in distress in the last scene, and I hate that. Right. Why does she need to be a damsel in distress? Right. I mean, why, she does make her own Morse code radio. Why can't but... the idea that Ultron has a vibranium thing that's going to lift Sokovia, right. over, why can't that be the driving force? Right. You know, instead they use right. it as an excuse to, well, we got to get Banner to go find Natalie, uh, or not Natalie, Natasha. Right. Um, so he, she can push him and be, he can become the Hulk. Right. No, I mean, no, there's, no, right. there's, there's. I mean, that's no, just my that, argument. To me, that's a late, that's a lazy way to write that. Right. And, and that's my argument for like, she's the one that can calm the Hulk down. Yeah. Why can't Cat be the one that gets captured mm-hmm. by Ultron? They yeah. just, they're like, she's a woman. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there's part of it too. Oh, okay. If you go back in time at this point, not like. Movie-wise, but you go back. This is released what 2015. Yes, there was a lot about this out in the public and in the news mm, about yeah. how they were not using her. Like you're even for little girls, there was just there like, was some. Um, right. I, I don't know if this was there the case here. Figures. No, there, 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 there weren't yeah. action figures of, of right. Black Widow. And they said, and they asked her, "Well, boys don't want to buy that." Like, I remember that being said. It's like you're cutting off. Okay, first of all, you're cutting off 
half of your consumer right. base when you say that because By the it's way, like, well, women have our own money now. Yeah, and girls <laughs> and might little play girls too. might want to play well, with like, action figures too. Well, I even like remember that happening, and I don't remember if we've particularly talked about it on the podcast, but I remember thinking about that and being a kid and remembering my X Men were not complete without Storm, without, without Rogue. Rogue, without right. like my Jean action Ray, figures that I had. Like I wanted Jubilee. them. So even Power Rangers, like I needed the Pink Ranger, you needed the Yellow Ranger, Ranger yeah. to get a right. team. Like, it's not, oh, I've got the dudes, now I'm fine to go play. Like, no, like, this is part of the team. And so I remember that being a really big issue where I don't think, maybe they finally added her into, like, an action figure pack that you had to buy, like, all these other people and she just happened to come with it. Right. Versus actually having her own figure or anything else for you to play with. And that was a big, strong push for Wonder Woman that came out two years later. Mm-hmm. was like, this is, you know, I remember that being talked about how Marvelous had done all these movies so far and yet not given a woman, like, her own movie yet here comes DC and, and mm-hmm. here they're already giving her her own movie. Now. Right. Um, and which I feel like that helped push Wonder Woman as well where, you know, even just sales wise, like here's all your merch. Right. DC went way overboard and Marvel won't give you a, you know, a, a woman, you know, action figure or clothing or branding or anything. Here's Wonder Woman and we're putting her everywhere. everywhere. Right. And that's not a bad thing. It's just they saw where Marvel had made a flaw mm-hmm. and DC came along. Now They DC's, finally did something right. I'll say, DC has screwed up a lot, especially Come in the past however many years. Ten. Yeah. But, Fifteen. But from that, <laughs> like, to go from there, like, they finally, I mean, I just remember that being everywhere. It began to be something that was talked about a lot in the news, a lot about everything about how they're taking away so much from Scarlett Johansson as a character or Black Widow as a character. Right. So, final nitpick. Mm-hmm. In credit scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My nitpick is it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. right. in terms of the story. I get they want to continue to tease Thanos as the big bad for the next Avengers and they're really kind of sprinkling him in the here or there or whatever. Right. But the idea that he opens up his safe, he has an Infinity Gauntlet, he puts it on, he says, fine, I'll do it myself doesn't really follow because it's not like Ultron was created to retrieve Infinity Stones. Right. It, you know, Loki was sent, uh, you know, four right. movies ago to, you know, get the Tesseract and he was given the Mind Stone. Um, but there's been no real pursuit of the Infinity Stones by Thanos other than that one attempt of him trying to get the Tesseract through Loki. Um, so it even I, made I, more I, sense. I don't, I, that's the thing, I don't get the like there could have been any line of dialogue there. Right. Then that, fine, I'll do it. Fine, myself. I'll do it myself. There could have been any line of dialogue there that would have made any more sense than that. Oh, he we literally could have just said it's time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we would have made more sense for that after Guardians of the Galaxy, where all of a sudden, okay, Ronan was coming after. Right, because Ronan failed. Yeah, and for all that to happen, it would have made sense for that to be there. Right. Like you say, honestly, I remember being, you know, whatever age of you know 2015, and seeing it, I was just excited to see Thanos. Like it wasn't. Or not, is it 15? Yeah. yeah. Just being excited to see Thanos yeah. in the same way. Like, Thanos isn't the issue there. No, it's not the but issue. It's just no, no, it's just, it's just the, the continued uh, continuity makes, yeah. there. Um, like, if, and if it had been some kind of part of the story where Ultron, you know, influenced by the Mind Stone, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to somehow collect the Infinity Stones that are on Earth. Sure. I don't know if, the, if there was a way to tie that story into it, mm-hmm. then it would have made more sense for, you know, because. Originally, the Mind Stone, I, I don't know its exact origins necessarily, mm-hmm. but I'm, we'll learn about that in our Teachers What We Need to Know section mm-hmm. today. But I'm assuming, you know, since he gifted the scepter to Loki, 
he had the Mind Stone in his possession at one point. So, like, right. you, you could tie in the story that the Mind Stone being in Thanos' possession could have had some influence on Ultron being created and, you know, the pursuit of Infinity Stones through that angle, but it wasn't explored. Right. So, again, the, the, it's a nitpick, but it just it makes no sense. Yes, exciting to see Thanos in the end credits, and yes, Thanos is coming, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The line doesn't make sense. They could have just had him open up the thing and put the gauntlet on. Right. Mm-hmm. And, said, and, said, and said nothing. With no dialogue. Yeah. And said yeah, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it would have been perfect. Right. We, we would have all like, oh my God, it's going to be that. Right. It's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. But instead, they confuse us. So, anyway. We spent a lot of time on nitpicks yeah. for a movie that we apparently like. Well, I don't really have any unanswered so. questions, so we're good. All right. Any other questions? Cool. It, and it's not important, but just, I remember after this movie, the big question was, are we going to see Quicksilver again? Now, I know at this point, further down the line, no, I don't think we will. But it was just, after seeing this movie for the first time, there was a lot of things of, is he coming back? Especially even as we got into knowing Endgame and everything was going to have a billion characters. Mm-hmm. We kept almost expecting him to come back. And he could, I guess, He now. could have, yeah. Um, let's not talk too much about that yet. Yeah. Until we get to our fun facts. Okay. Because I, I have you know, some things I want to touch base on. Mm-hmm. That. Gotcha. Uh, random section, anything y'all want to add? I have three. Hey, They're really quick. Cool. Um, hey, we're not in a rush. These are the so sort of these are more like rabbit hole ish. Cool. Um, so we have to keep in mind. Uh, so it, this was my sort of like challenge. Um, rewatch this movie with the lens that like realizing that every single interaction between Steve and Tony and Natasha, Steve and Natasha know who the Winter Soldier is. And that the Winter Soldier murdered Tony's parents. Mm -hmm. And that Tony still thinks they died in a car crash. This entire movie. So, years. like Because it's been a year since Winter Soldier. And then after this, it's like another maybe few months to a year till Civil War. So, like, for almost two years, they just lie by omission to Tony. Mm -hmm. So, like... You know, let's just yeah. keep that that rage fueled up for you know yeah. when civil war comes. Anyway, um, when Tony is trying to lift Mew Mew, and we're gonna he, call that forever now. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yay, Darcy. Um, and he says, you know, obviously, it, if I lift this, this means that I will get to be ruler of Asgard. And Thor's yes. like, of course. Mm-hmm. And Tony says, I will be reinstating Prima Nocta. Mm-hmm. Prima Nocta. Uh, <laughs> if you want to know. Uh, Fun side note um, is a supposed, but actually never historically proven by any legal, uh, like or historical documents, a medieval law allowing feudal lords to have relations. I'll let you interpret that with um, the women in their. Thank you, Eric. Um, in their uh, under their power in their town in their castle or whatever, particularly on their wedding night. Michael Before Scott the in the office also wants to institute prima nocta. Yes. And then um, he finds out what it actually is and he has to apologize. Yes. And then the third thing I thought was interesting is Tony, one of the little quips he throws out at Banner when they're starting to um, create Ultron is he says, peace in our time. Mm-hmm. And the historic line is actually peace for our time. And that line was spoken by the Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain um, of Britain in uh, World War Two, before World War Two, and it was regarding the Munich Agreement, which was an early peace treaty between the United Kingdom and Nazi Germany. 
Um, historically regarded as a very ironic statement, given that less than a year later, Hitler invaded Poland and France and England had to declare war on Germany. So when he came back from signing the Munich Agreement, he held up the piece of paper in his hand and he said, peace for our time. And so I just think it's really ironic that that's the line that Tony chooses to use about instating a global peace initiative. So there you go, rabbit holes. My one rabbit hole, um, it wasn't big enough for its own fun fact, but I'll put it here. The community, um, I guess association with the MCU, shows up in a season six episode of Community mm. where there's a cop investigating someone hacking into Greendale's internet server and when he's done talking to him he's like so what y'all doing this summer Avengers 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 I heard Marvel got real hands on this time they really pinned Joss Whedon uh, in create creatively how could that go wrong <laughs> <laughs> so um, just a fun little community nod there um, especially with the rumors swirling around that Josh uh, Joss Whedon wasn't happy on set so well yeah. I mean the one I have I'm is... not happy with Joss Whedon so. <laughs> <laughs> the one I have it kind of goes back to what I was saying before with like Wonder Woman kind of picking up the ball from there it's also important to note too that this movie came out two years after Man of Steel and there was a giant issue with Man of Steel where Superman is destroying everything or he's at least allowing all this stuff to get destroyed where people right. are where people are dying right. and like, there was yes. a giant backlash about that like Superman wouldn't be doing that he'd be wanting to protect people and yet, like, how many people died and how much property damage is done. Right. And so that almost... And I'm not saying in this particular movie that Marvel, like, took that and ran with it. Because I'm sure it was already somewhat in production, at least. Right. But it did. I remember being in the theater and that kind of standing out a little bit to me to be like... They're right. at least acknowledging if we can get the people off of this so we don't hurt the people. Or right. even when, you know, Hulk goes crazy in the town, they acknowledge... That, that was a bad thing, not just because well, yeah. people are crazy, but, but it's like, also very clear from this movie, whether they did it intentionally or mm -hmm. not, that there is definitely a leg for people to stand on mm -hmm. in Civil War when they start sure. complaining about collateral damage. Yeah. Because so, you get to see it. And especially by the time I saw Civil War, it really stood on it to be like Right. Marvel saw that. And I'm not saying again, not saying they looked at DC at all and said, I'm gonna we get to take this. But right. it just was the two sides of the coin where DC's doing this. To the point, too, that when all of a sudden they came out with Batman versus Superman, they went hardcore on the, mm -hmm. let's make sure we're over here where nobody ever could be hurt on this private island. Like, yep. Right. You know, it went overboard where it just wasn't good. Right. But in the same way, like, it approached a topic that at the time was very big in the public eye by right. saying, especially by the time you get the Civil War, and, you know, it being a much more publicly vocal thing versus this is that first stepping stone to get to that point. Right. What the what moment? What was your what the what moment? Mine was vision picking up. Mm. That's a good one. That's a really That's good a really one. Good like, one. I don't know how to get you guys and to trust that, me. And then he just hands the hand. Yeah, he, he's like, <laughs> we, we must go. And it's right. like, well, you realize he's what? holding it at least for a second off screen. You can't, like, you can tell his hand's kind of down, but it's yeah. black. You can't see where his hand is. And all of a sudden, he's just like, here you go. Just nonchalantly. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the great line that followed whenever. Thor and Cap and Tony are mm -hmm. talking about it. Right. It's like, you know, he's not really a person, though. I mean, you put right, the, doesn't count. Yeah, you put, put the, the hammer, hammer down the elevator. Elevator, elevator, elevator goes up. The elevator's not worthy. Elevator's not worthy. My what the what moment? Yeah. That's a really good one, though. My what the what moment is the um, the scene where they're 
surrounding that vibranium oh, core. Oh, yeah, that's mine. The circular fight yeah, the, scene the, in yep. the church. Um, and yeah. you see all of them. Again, that's just a right. geek out moment for yeah. me. Although the close second or third, I guess, would be the very first thing where they're they're, right. they're jumping into action and yes, it kind and of it, freeze it freezes frames. for a second. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah. Right, so, you're like, oh! Geeking out, yes. Yeah. Uh, good deal. And then uh, who won the movie? Oh, wait, did you say yours? Yeah, yeah mine was, okay. ours was the same. same. Okay, thank you. We're the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> this might be super controversial, and I don't even know if I agree with myself, but um, the Avengers all have very like personal, self-focused visions caused by Wanda, whether mm-hmm. they're dreams or lies or, or fears or whatever they are. Um, but Tony, who's arguably, especially initially, the most selfish person in the MCU, his vision has nothing to do with himself it's about his friends dying about the world dying and him not being good enough to stop it and i just think that that is so interesting and like maybe this is again that hinge moment in his character where tony starts seeing himself as the guy who might lay down on the wire not mr well i just cut the wire you know um, and so I think it's just ironic, you know, we have all of these big philosophical dilemmas as a society about technology and AI, and I think Tony comes off sort of as the bad guy in this movie who sort of leaps before he looks, but he ends up being right, yeah. you know, at the very end, like when Thor comes in, he says, Tony's right, Stark's right, you know, like we need technology to fight technology. And, and well, he you know, references this in Endgame at the very beginning when he's back on Earth, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I told you we needed a suit of armor around the world." Right. I said we would lose. You said we do that we together. Do that what together. happened? Right. We're not the we're not the Avengers. We're the Avengers. Right. I mean, yes. But, he, but yes, he ends up being right. So yeah. right. So like by you know by the end of this movie, and and he will continue to end up to to be right, especially about this. Once we get to Endgame, we know, but. You know, you know, he's not right about the accords, but we'll get to that at some at some point. Um, but yeah, I just I think Tony kind of won this movie. I think he, you know, Vision killed Ultron, and I think he was vindicated a little bit. But you know, he's also sort of cleaning up his own mess. So I, yeah. you know, anyway. I think mine's an extension off of that. And mine, I think I didn't. Typically, I'll sit and overthink it. This time, I didn't. I just put a name down and went with it. But I felt like Vision won this movie. Yeah. Not in. And I think because we've talked about it in different ways in the past, he came out of this winning where he has life now. He is a thing he wasn't before. Right. He was but born th- yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I was born yesterday. And I love though that I feel like some of the stuff strong for me too is he is now going to be a core character of this team, mm-hmm. where he's not just we're the good guys or whatever. Like he fully believes he's kind of like in the middle of realizing how things work and how they aren't, and it's not just because we say we're the good guys or we're not the good guys. Like, right. he has a different take on that. And so I think that can change how everybody else sees things going forward. Um, he's that extra voice in the group. You know, especially when you get into, like, Civil War, he starts, you know, you start seeing more of that out of him. Um, and I feel like he's one of the ones, too, that never... I could be wrong, because it's all in how you watch movies, but I don't feel like he ever gets the status as the rest of the characters do. Right. I feel like, okay, he does probably an Endgame or like Infinity War. Infinity War, yeah. I feel like, yes, he gets there and he has his moments, but I don't feel like we ever 
fully, especially watching this again, I had a more appreciation for him after this movie. Right. Appreciating and understanding, like, there's more to him than just a robot there. Mm-hmm. The same way with, like, Ultron was artificial intelligence, but he was missing almost like a soul type thing to him. Yeah. Versus, you know, I don't know what you get with Vision. Well, and, and, well, right. Banner described Vision in Infinity War. It's not just, it, you know, the Mind Stone. It's Ultron. It's Jarvis. Mm-hmm. It's Tony. It's Bruce. It's a combination of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just one singular thing. It's the best parts. And I feel like leaving the movie, I was like, oh, Jarvis is in a body now. Like, I missed it the first time. Like, instead of, especially now that you've seen other and appreciating more, the first time I was like, oh, Jarvis now finally has a body that he can operate out of. But it's like, no, there's so much more to that mm-hmm. than just that. Can I save my dark horse contender for who won the movie until we get to our fun facts? Sure. And you'll see why when we get sure. there. So. Um, all right. Well, uh, what's next on the list? In every episode of our Running the Infinity Gauntlet series, we are taking a look at a vital piece of the MCU that helped shape the Infinity Saga. With that in mind, let's assemble together on the helicarrier. Those things are so cool. They are so cool. Eric, teach us what we need to know about the Mind Stone. All right. So the Mind Stone, one of the six Infinity Stones, the remnant of a singularity that predated the universe, which governed over the fabric of the mind. It was previously wielded by Loki inside his scepter, who received it as a gift from Thanos for the Chitauri invasion. After the Battle of New York, the scepter was confiscated by Hydra, whose scientists used it to give extraordinary powers to the twins, Wanda and Pietro Maximoff. After the fall of Hydra, the scepter was recovered by the Avengers. It was taken by Ultron, and its blue gem casing was shattered, releasing the stone inside it and placing it on the being that would become Vision. It remained with Vision until it was forcibly removed by Thanos following the Battle of Wakanda, Killing Vision in the process, it was then destroyed along with the other five stones by Thanos after the Infinity War. In 2023, the Avengers initiated a time heist. I love that it's an official thing now. In order to resurrect the lives that Thanos had claimed, Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, and Ant-Man were sent back in time to May 4, 2012 during the Battle of New York to retrieve the mind, space, and time stones. Following the Battle of New York, or following the Battle of Earth, that's what I guess the in-game battle is called. Uh, where Iron Man used all six stones to kill Thanos and his army at the cost of his own life. Captain America time traveled to 2012 to return the Mind Stone. Ashley, we can hear about that when we get to Endgame. Because um, I know you have thoughts. <laughs> so many thoughts. Uh, let me talk real quick about the Mind Stone's capabilities. Um, so the Mind Stone encased in the Scepter um, by Loki. We see it first in Aven- the first Avengers movie. Um it grants whoever holds it complete control over the hearts and minds of others. Uh, like all the other Infinity Stones, it's among the most powerful artifacts in all of existence. At its core, it contains a highly advanced intelligence framework akin to an incredibly powerful supercomputer operating similarly to a sentient mind, which is how Vision comes to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Stone's intelligence is powerful enough to enhance and spontaneously grant sentience to Ultron and Vision, and as applied by this intelligence, Stone itself also possesses a form of sentience with the stone directly communicating with Vision in order to warn him of the coming threat of Thanos. Contained, and we see that in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Contained within a scepter uh, capable of harnessing its power, the Mind Stone's power can dominate the minds of others on contact, placing them under the control of the wielder loyal and loyal to their commands indefinitely. By placing the blade tip of the scepter against a person's heart, energy is released from the stone which flows into the person's body and turns their eyes a fluorescent blue color. 
we saw that backfire whenever Loki tried it on Stark because mm-hmm. um, his heart at the time was a arc reactor. That's right. Um, people put under Stone's control will often regain their individuality after receiving a significant blow to the head, like Hawkeye did. So just hit him with the head, and you know it breaks the curse of the mind right. stone there. Um, in some situations, the effects of the mind control can be negated outright if the energy from the stone is unable to diffuse into the target's body, such as when Tony Stark's art reactor negated the energy instead. Um, and in addition, while being kept aboard the helicarrier by the Avengers, the Scepter managed to compel the heroes to slowly turn against one another in a heated argument, escalating to the point where the Stone's power compelled Bruce Banner to pick up the Scepter involuntarily in an aggressive gesture. It's also been stated recently by Kevin Feige that Loki, being uh, the holder of the Scepter that had the Mind Stone, was also influenced, which is why you see more of his darker side in the Avengers mm-hmm. and why you see more of a anti-hero look when he's not holding right. the scepter. More of a Lo- true trickster yes, god, Loki. In, uh, in future movies. Right. So that's the Mind Stone. And we've covered three of the six Infinity Stones so far in nice. our Run of the Infinity Gauntlet uh, saga. So nice. good stuff. There's three more to go. I'm figuring okay. out when we're going to do those. Uh, so yeah. How could you be worthy? You're all puppets. Tangled in strings. Strings! So let's take the strings off. And let's slip on the Infinity Gauntlet. And share six fun facts and observations. One for each of the Infinity Stones. We get two apiece. Kyle, you go first, please. I came across this one. And honestly, it was a question I had while I was watching it. Um, I knew James Peter did his voice. But I was like, did he actually act? Or was he just in a, the studio? Because the same way, like, Groot. Mm-hmm. And Diesel was just in the studio. He right. didn't go out and do the actual part. Um... But let me see, because I had two different parts of this fun fact. But let me my um, James Spader was originally just going to be Ultron's voice, but he told the filmmakers that for a main character, he deserved to do more than provide a voice, and so he took on performing Ultron through motion capture. So all of the scenes where you see him, he's actually there. Um, he actually had a suit on that like had these two antennas at the top of his head that was like eight to nine feet tall. Well, not them, but Ultron in the movie is eight to nine feet tall, so he towers over everybody else. Right. So he has these two red balls that, that hung over top of him that were supposed to be his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elizabeth Olsen had a hard time. She said that um, it was very distracting because James Spader was, he didn't just stand there and talk. Like he did, right. he acted. Killing it. Yeah, right. and he did such a convincing job that you want to look at him and not look way up at mm-hmm. the eyeballs of what's happening. So it was cool to see he actually did the part and wasn't just, you know, talking in a booth somewhere. No, I couldn't not talk about it. Uh, oh Bucky boy. Oh boy. was supposed oh to boy. be in Steve's vision, but instead, but Sebastian Stan was unavailable, and Haley Atwell was. So Peggy was in Steve's vision of you know Steve, the war's over, we can go home now, and thank God too, or the end of Endgame would have made even less sense than it already does. Oh boy. <laughs> Number three. The addition of Quicksilver to the cast sparked wide discussion over the direction of the character who appeared in X-Men Days of Future Past, which came out in 2014. Quicksilver had been discussed previously as a potential character in both X-Men The Last Stand and Avengers Assemble in 2012, but legal complexities over the license to the character resulted in his omission from both of those films. However, in May 2013, both Marvel and Fox Studios announced a resolution to those previous legal issues and that Quicksilver would appear in this film as well as an X-Men sequel, though under certain parameters. 
No allusion to his relation to the X-Men or Magneto, the character's father, can be made in, in an Avengers film, and no reference to Quicksilver's membership in the Avengers can be made in X-Men films. The, right feel, or the, the rights agreement between Fox and Marvel even goes so far to stipulate that the character cannot be referred to as a mutant, as a mutant in, right, in yeah. any Marvel film. And additionally, the day after Fox announced Evan Peters as Quicksilver, Marvel and Fox entered into a legal standoff over provisions of the rights agreement for the character, including the issue of whether Peters would be allowed to portray Quicksilver in any other film outside the X-Men franchise, necessitating a second actor to play Quicksilver in any Marvel film, resulting in two different versions of the same character appearing in two competing film series. Evan Peters, by the way, has been cast in WandaVision, and rumors are rampant that he may be uh, an alternate universe. universe version of Quicksilver, Wanda's brother. Right. Possibly even... Pietro. P- um, possibly like, the X-Men right, right, right. universe. Right. Um, tying... So he would be someone who also became a Quicksilver, or he would be Pietro, like a different universe? A, di- a different universe. Okay. So he would okay. be probably... Re- um, if the rumors are to be believed, he'd be reprising his character from the X-Men gotcha. universe. Okay. In WandaVision. Which, by the, by the way, just because it, it bears saying while we're talking about it, that scene in the movie where he saves everyone from the explosion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. I mean, like, everything perfect about it. Fantastic. Anyway. Number four. Mine, um, it kind of goes right off of that. Elizabeth Olsen, I remember hearing this on a talk show that she did later. Um, but she worked with a dance choreographer to make her movements more graceful for action sequences because you have mm-hmm. to have the idea that she is a witch character, how she floats or does things, but also more specifically with her hands. Um, I remember her being on one talk show. I don't remember which one it was, but they were asking her about that. Like, what do you do on there? Like, with your, you know, you technically have power right, with your hands. Like, what do you do? Moving around, but and like, how does was, that even look? And like, so she was doing it. And, like, right. moving her hands and all sorts of stuff. And she talked about, like, she had to have training and they did a lot of things. Because it's not just, like, you're just twisting your hand. Like, there's right. a lot to make it kind of twitchy right. and everything else to make it all work together. Um, so, I would right. just suggest Googling that or YouTube and that. Uh, it was just cool to hear. It made you think more about it. And so, you honestly, when I saw her the next time, my eyes were more focused. Like, what are her hands doing? How are they moving? Like, mm-hmm. and how does that flow so well with what, you know, graphics they put in to make her character do what she's doing? So, cool. something simple. Number five. I don't know if this is a fun fact or just like a did you catch it, but I just thought it was adorable. If you think it's fun, it's So I added it in. I thought it was fun and cute. So in one of the very last scenes in the movie, um, Natasha is doing a video chat or Mm -hmm. watching a video that Clint has sent of baby number three that's finally been born. Yes. And if you catch it, baby number three is wearing a onesie that has his name on it, and his name is Nathaniel Pietro Barton. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really Very cute. cute. I was wondering if anyone was going to bring that up. Yeah. It's really cool. All right. Number six. If y'all didn't realize by now, I try to tie in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to the MCU films Always. much better than the At MCU did. For real. So there is a couple of major uh, connections with this film and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season two. Um, they Leading up to the episode titled... Um, the dirty half dozen in season two. There had been references to Coulson protecting this thing called the Theta Protocol. Um, the there's a, like an insurgent group of Shield members trying to take over, and they're wanting Coulson. What is the Theta Protocol? And he's like, it's classified. It's classified. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get to that in a second. But in this episode, 
They're trying to rescue a couple of members of the team. They go to a Hydra Arctic base where they steal information about Hydra leader Wolfgang von Strucker's primary headquarters in the small Eastern European nation of Sokovia. Um, and during uh, when they're done with their mission, Colson contacts Maria Hill, who uh, Toby Smothers reprises her role on mm-hmm. this episode, mm-hmm. to inform her of Strucker's headquarters and his possession of Loki Scepter. Um, and Colson has the line, it's time to call in the Avengers. And that's where the episode ends. But the end credit scene uh, shows Reyna, who has inhuman powers and the ability to see in the future. She has a vision of the scepter and the terrible consequences of the Avengers retrieving it, witnessing men made of metal tearing cities apart. Which, this episode came out the Tuesday before this movie dropped. Nice. So, tied in directly. The next episode, Scars goes back a year and it says uh, that Sam Caning who was played by Patton Oswalt has been overseeing the secret Theta protocol project which involves refurbishing Fury's disused helicarrier. This helicarrier is later used by the Avengers and Fury to rescue thousands of civilians from Sokovia during Ultron's attempt to destroy the world. So when Fury shows up in the helicarrier uh, carrier, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Phil mm-hmm. Coulson specifically was responsible for it. So who won the movie? Phil Coulson and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for saving the people of Sokovia wouldn't have been able to do it without their help. Slow clap. Great job. Slow so, clap. Great job. Just saying. <laughs> we got social media shout-outs, guys. We have a few. Not as many this week. Uh, people just aren't as big of fans of this movie. We that got we to start just... posting stuff on Wednesdays. I mean, that's fair. We, well, we, we, them which I know it's the holidays. Time, I'll let you post on Wednesdays. I'll, it's also, on I'll let you post on Wednesdays. It's also you post on Thursdays? No, you can post on Thursdays, too. No, we need you getting involved. I I, I asked you doing all this stuff. I edit the episode. You want to sit through an hour and a half episode and edit it? I'll let you do that. I'll do the posting. That's fine. I'll turn the volume up, hit play, and go. Uh, Scarlett Johansson official says, my girl is fire. With fire. So, for sure. By the way, I checked and I saw that she had liked that, and I was like, wait a minute. Is this the officials? And it, no, no, it's just the She doesn't place. have Instagram. She doesn't have Instagram. All no. that. Wait a minute, Scarlett Johansson liked our stuff? No, no, she didn't. No. But her girl is fire. Her, I mean, girl is fire. Her, hers. I mean, this girl is on fire. Um, Avengers, Age of Ultron. Brittany Dennis says, I wish they would have expanded a little better on the twins. Um, I agree with that. I know that there was so much stuff that they couldn't, as you already right. explained. But um, Eddie Souls says, so many great scenes and so many letdowns. Mm. I didn't. But didn't he didn't expand upon that? No. What a shame. What a shame. A busy what a shame. Let me yeah. get back over here. This Hunter Batten did chime in as well. Yeah, Hunter Batten, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Former co-host of the pod. I mean, honestly, future co-host. Future co-host of the pod. Mm-hmm. Hunter Batten. We're going to just take this pod and run away with it eventually. <laughs> um, top fan, Hunter Batten. Says it's the least good Avengers movie. Ultron is a very good villain, though, and Vision's creation is pretty cool. But for some reason, this flick fails, falls flat for me, and I can't pinpoint why. Maybe I need to rewatch it again soon. That's where we land. All right, that's everything. When Hunter and yeah. I take over, we're gonna have to like rename it and figure some kind yeah. of like. I think we should call it like G two or something. Yeah. Because mm. we both share a middle name. Actually, did you know that? No. Yeah, Hunter and I's middle name is both Gray. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Y'all also share that with Kyle Daltrey. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's like yeah. a, a popular middle name, I get, suppose. Get him on the pod, too. Cool deal. Well. Or you could become a DC-only podcast and call yourself the Flying Graysons. Just saying. 
Ooh, Ooh, I like it. And that's even better because Hunter Batten's cat's name is Grayson. There you go. Wow. He can be our Stop mascot. Stop giving her ideas to spin off from Bye. Bye. This, this, <laughs> this finally cuts and nobody will tell me to be quiet. This thing's going <laughs> to fall apart when she leaves. I mean, no, it will. When I talked about allowing women to cuss, I meant me specifically. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> mm. It's like I've been dropping hints. Listen. I'm going to start dropping. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, as, as Clint Barton said... We got all we got all these flying robots, right? And I've got a microphone. None of this makes any sense. The city is flying. Yep. <laughs> but if you step out that door, that's right. You are a podcaster. A big thank you to Ricky Lyles for his contributions to our episodes in our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion as much as we did. That you're as pumped for the rest of our journey into the MCU and other pop culture entities as we are. We are taking a break from the MCU until January. We won't discuss Ant-Man next month. We'll wait until January to do that. But next week, be sure to join us as we discuss Elf. We are fully into the Christmas season. Because yes. Thanksgiving is next Thursday. Um, and we'll be doing a bunch of Christmas stuff leading up to Christmas Day, uh, including the Christmas meal draft. I believe we're doing Home Alone 2. And yep. our top favorite controversial non-traditional non-traditional Christmas movies get to die hard on there I suppose that's right but until next time it's the end the end of the path that I started us on stay as cool as the other side of the pillow we'll see you next week on the What the What Show what the what